Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey, it's Rocky Lalvani, the Profit Answer Man, sitting in for the amazing Josh Carey here on the Hidden Entrepreneur Show today. We have our guest, Alex Felice. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. And I'm excited for the conversation because just before we started recording, I asked you what you did before, what you did now, and you had an interesting answer. Share a little bit with the audience what was going on in your life. Uh, before, you mean? Yeah. Um, joined the, I did a little, few years in the Army. I, um, I sold cars for a while, which is a treacherous business. And, you know, that's where I got into that... Um, I got into the nine to five grind that so many people get into. Then, you know, they get home, they're tired, they have other responsibilities. It's hard to, it's hard to do anything when you're, when you're in that, that complacency cycle. Uh, so a few years of that, I got really sick of it because that's a tough business. And that's when I got my entrepreneurial bug, you know? Uh, and, that, and I found real estate. It was 2013 or so. We were going through this foreclosure boom. And real estate was very lucrative for a guy like me who didn't really want to go to work every day. I wanted something passive to be completely honest. I have my lazy streaks. Uh, so I wanted something that I wasn't going to be, you know, golden handcuffs. I wanted something that didn't require a lot of capital. I wanted something that was tried and true. Uh, and I wanted something that was going to produce cash flow, not just, um, increase in equity. So realist rental real estate made a lot of sense to me. Did you just quit work and go start or like, was there no, hell no. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. So, okay. Uh, so good question. So real estate's a super long play. So I said, okay, I'm going to buy a few of these houses. We'll buy one at a time. Kicks off a couple of hundred bucks, but as you noted, it's not enough to quit your job. So, uh, and having a W2 helps you get loans. So, but I wanted to get out of that. I wanted to learn about money. So I went and got a degree in finance, paid for it with the GI bill. And I went and worked in banking. And so retail banking took me to, eventually I worked in commercial loan underwriting. Uh, but along the way, I was buying properties. And then in 2019, my ambition kind of uh, really started to grow. I went from these single family homes to about a 24 unit small apartment complex. And then, and then I did quit my job only last year, 2020, late 2019. So all of 2020 was my first year without a job. And uh, that, that's gone very well for me so far. So it was a six year journey, right? Well, it's a lifelong journey. It just it's a lifelong journey. It just started six years ago. <laughs> yes, it is a lifelong journey. I mean, it was a six-year journey from when you started building your side business until when you could make it your full-time business. Yes. And, you uh, and I, I, yeah, what's interesting actually is when I first got the bug, I was like, I got to quit my job. So I'll use real estate. And, it, and that actually, I think some people get into trouble by doing that because then they get, they put them, they build themselves a prison 
where they, they quit one job and then they jump all into this next job and they find out they don't like that one as much either. So for me, it was like, nope, keep this a side hustle, design this thing so I don't hate it. And then now actually I have a total of 84 rental doors and I, it takes 0% of my time to manage them. And I designed that from the start. So uh, it works for me. I don't work for it. So that's a mindset shift. And it's mindset something- Mindset is everything, yeah. Yeah, mindset is everything. And you had to be intentional with that. So how do you create a business where you don't have to work in it? Well, like I said from the start, right? If you can be really honest with yourself, like I have lazy streaks in me. I mean, I think, I think I'm a lazy guy. Some people look at me and say, I, I, I'm an overachiever and that's whatever. But if, you, if, you, if you're honest with your strengths and your weaknesses, right? I knew that I didn't want to create a, a, a brick and mortar store with employees or a service that I had to go work at every day. I may have those skills, but I know deep inside that I'm not going to want to show up sometimes. So I was like, I have to do this. I have to buy some assets that somebody else can manage. Um, I can do the decision-making. I'm willing to take on the risk. I'm willing to, um, to fund them. But somebody else has to do the grit, the, the management. And I just did that from the very start. And that's built into my mindset now with any, you know, a lot of new businesses where it's like, okay, I have to build this with somebody else doing the day-to-day from the start. And, you know, that comes with consequences because if you're willing to get out there and put in sweat equity, uh, a lot of it up front, you can kind of go fast. But for me, um, designing these things with big, big ideas, but designing them um, with management in place allowed me, I think it's going to take me a lot farther. Because now every time I buy a property, it's like, I just have to do the acquisition. Somebody else is going to run it for the most part. Obviously I take you know, I own these things, they're responsibilities I take seriously. I manage the managers, but somebody else is going to go knock on, I bought a 52 unit in December. Somebody's going to go knock on 52 doors. I'm not going to go knock on 52 doors. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't want to knock on doors either. Yeah. I'm going to knock on my manager's door and be like, what's my, what's my vacancy rate? Who's not paying? Who do we have to evict? What's the problems? Like I'm going to manage that problem. And then I'm going to manage, go, go and find the next asset. So as I think about that, you are truly an entrepreneur because I think there's, there's entrepreneurs and there's business owners. And the way that I look at them differently is business owners are working in their business. Entrepreneurs are working on the business and they're not involved in the day-to-day grind of their business. And that's uh, for me, well, I guess it depends. So I'm a business owner, right? I'm not an entrepreneur, but I did that on purpose because I love what I do. And I get to define who my clients are and how I work with them. So it's fun. Um, and I didn't, I wouldn't know what to do all day. Otherwise it, it wouldn't be pretty. Like I have that problem. Time. I have that problem right now. So bad where I'm filling it with, um, I'm filling it with high potential, high upside tasks that um, sometimes feel like I'm wasting my time, but it's definitely, it's definitely a problem. It's definitely a good problem to have. Um, and it's one of those things where I look at them like, okay, I took a year off. I actually got a lot done. I started doing, um, I got into videography. And so I've been doing video projects for a company called bigger pockets. Um, I started flipping houses because I have that skill set to acquire the, the houses. And that gives me uh, a, a unique talent to allow me to work on my design and creativity, which I like. So yeah, I mean, the definition about what an entrepreneur is, we can argue about it. I don't really consider myself one, especially compared to the PodMax room that we're in today. Um, uh, there's some real entrepreneurs. There's some intimidating entrepreneurs there. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, I love that you say this because some people, you know, they, they try to do what they don't really take the time to think, what do they really want? Some people want to work in the business and they love that and they should do so. And then some people like me, it's like, look, all I want to do all day is daydream about these grand ideas and then slowly put them into action. Um, it's less profitable up front, uh, but that's who I am. I, if I go and I try to fight that, like everybody loses, you know, cause I don't get, I'm not good at it. I'm not happy about it. Yeah. And I think that's the number one mistake everybody makes. They don't think about who am I and what do I want and then test it to see if it's true and then go do it. Most people like they, they, they they're in the drift and they see somebody doing something. They go, Oh, that looks cool. I want to go do that without going, wait a minute. I don't actually like doing that. Right. And, and that becomes, I think, a major problem for, for people. And you've got to take the time to sit within yourself and figure out what is it that you truly want and then get comfortable with that. And then at that point, yeah, go do it. Finding out who you are is uh, definitely a difficult, it's a difficult talent, um, a difficult skill. You know, you're sitting behind all these books and I love books. I'm book obsessed. And a lot of them, um, you know, there's ways, there's people that talk about these problems. And a lot of it for me was, um, I, I go by natural indicators. Like my favorite one is procrastination. And it's, just, it's not a perfect metric, but a lot of times when I'm procrastinating on something, it's because my body is telling me that I don't like doing that. Stop <laughs> signing up for jobs that I procrastinate for. Um, and that's not a perfect metric because sometimes people, like I said, I have a lazy streak too. Sometimes I just don't feel like doing anything, but you'll find if you have a to-do list and you keep knocking off certain ones and then you keep putting off the other ones, it's like hire somebody to do those. <laughs> just hire somebody to do those. Um, but finding out what you're good at, what you're bad at. I mean, it's a lifelong journey and also people change. I don't know that I have any great advice for that. If you hate working with people, don't get a job that's people oriented, you know, get something in the back room. And, and I mean, it sounds simple, but people do it all the time. They're like, you know, they're in customer service and they're introverts or they hate people. It's like, come on, you know, you're not doing yourself any favors um, or they're big picture people. And then they get up, they end up in accounting. It's like, this is, this is not a good fit naturally for you. So finding out what you're good at. And then, mo and then once you find out what you're good at, then you have to find all the people that are good at the things that you don't want to do to hang out with. So then you create a, you create a complete, you know, a, a deadly force. If you can do that and do it well and put the right people in the right seats, life gets to be pretty amazing. My life is way easier than it should be because I have been able to find better partners than I deserve. And it's like that guy over there is really good at property management and he loves it. It's like, just give him properties. That guy over there, right? He likes finding deals. He doesn't want to do anything else. Go, I hit him up, find deals. And then I got a guy over here who loves, he doesn't want to do anything. He wants to be a passive investor. He wants to lend money. And so it's like, you find the deal, you pay for it, you fix it up and manage it. Done. I'll collect all the profits. Thanks, boys. <laughs> and that's truly what an entrepreneur does. You, yeah. I mean, that that's what it is. And it's it's a different way of thinking about things. So has it always been easy? Have there been struggles along the way? No, uh, I didn't. I, you know, what's funny is people look at me as a 37-year-old entrepreneur. And I look at myself as 
basically a guy who was a career screw up for 31 years who like basically I was an alcoholic, right? With no money, debt, no ambition, hadn't read a book. You know, it was just, I was hanging out with other alcoholics, broke alcoholics. So I look at myself as like a seven-year-old just getting started. You know, I'm like, I'm just figuring this all out. And I've, I've been thankful that I, I have some natural gifts. And then I also, um, there, we live in a world where, you know, audiobooks and podcasts are at your fingertips and you can learn anything about what it is you want to, your life to be. You can find somebody who's kind of already doing it and just listen to their story and, and get both inspiration and, all act, and also actionable knowledge. So I, it has not always been easy, but, and, and to be fair, I'm not that good at all these things. You know, I'm just, I'm still fairly new. So there's a lot of people that are, that are doing a lot better than me. Uh, I think what I've done well, like I said, is uh, I'm, I learn every day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an unstoppable, like every day I do these things little by little. Uh, so learning and then uh, I'm good at networking. So finding the people, finding the right people and then finding the right knowledge. If you can do those two things, in my opinion, like you are, life got easy. It very much does so. And it's, it's taking, taking those steps and doing that. So what was the trigger? What happened that caused that change seven years ago? Um, oof. Uh, I got in trouble. I got in a little trouble in the world. And, you know, I was making good money in a job that I didn't so, I didn't hate at the time. It was like just enough, but it was like, I was making good money, but I was spending all my money, right? Like so many people. Mm -hmm. And so- I was just, and, and it's because so many people do it, we think it's normal. And so I got in a little, uh, I got a little, I got, I ended up in handcuffs one day and I, and then I lost all of that, all of that thing. And so I was like, man, now I have, um, no job. And I realized I have really no talents. Like I can do car sales, right? I can like being able to sell is a tremendous talent, but I didn't really love it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to sell anything. Right. I want to really want to sell. So so it's a good talent, but it's like, you know, I was selling somebody else's stuff. So it's got a, it's got a, a really low ceiling, not sales in general, but selling somebody else's product. So anyways, I, um, so I looked around, I said, I have no resources. I have no talents. I have a bad attitude. I haven't read a book in six years, right? My network was full of um, knuckleheads. I love them. Good people, but not, not ambitious people. And so I had to borrow money for my parents to pay for a lawyer. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, you know what, Alex, you're, you, this is all your fault. Nobody, nobody's messed this up, but you, and there's really no excuse for it. It's just poor behavior because um, that complacency, you know, that complacency of the nine to five lets you think that it's, that it's normal. And it's, it might be normal, but you're at the mercy of the world because you're living that month to month or that week to week. And so really what it came down to, it may sound cl cliche or something, but really what it came down to is sitting and having an honest conversation with myself about self-responsibility, like deeply radical self-responsibility. And it's like, once you can admit that the problems in your life are your fault, then the wins and successes in your life can be your fault too. But if you think that somebody else is the cause of your pain, then you can't, that, that, and, th and that pain is bigger than you, then you can't be, you, you can't, you don't have, you've admitted that you don't have the skills to overcome it. But once you realize like, hey, look, I did this, well, then I can stop doing this. I can do something else. 
Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. I, I've got to believe that wasn't an easy conversation. You know, I have the opinion that humans only learn when things are painful. And so, no, it was not an easy conversation because it was, it was highly painful. Uh, you know, it took a lot of sacrifice. I sold everything I owned that was not making money. Like I sold everything to be, to go mega frugal. And I took a, I took a lot of humble steps in my life to kind of rebuild and it worked. And I think it'll work for everybody, but you know, they're unwilling to give up sacrifice. They're unwilling to make these difficult conversations with themselves. And the thing is you don't want to have to go through the pain that I went to, to do it. It's if you can do it while life is good, you know, that's better for you. But as I said before, I don't think people really learn until it's painful. So it's kind of a, kind of a catch 22. People don't change until it's painful. Yes. Right. Well, till till the pain gets so much they can't tolerate it anymore. It's um. So I'm a lifelong gym rat, but I've I've gone I've known many people who have transformed their lives through fitness, and a lot of times it's the overweight person who gets sick of like they look in the mirror one day and they're like, okay, I'm just sick of this, and then they burn and you know it's like the phoenix they burn themselves to ashes and become become reborn. Um, but it had to get to that point, right? A lot of people you have to um go broke before you. You're like, okay, let me take responsibility for this. Or, um, you know, something bad has to happen before you're like, let me, let me really fix this. Well, and I think the struggle in the past, and it's not so true today, but in the past, getting the right information was difficult. Like when I look at the world of fitness and exercise and food, what we used to be told not that long ago was complete, completely false. In because I know I spent 20 years, 20 plus years attempting to get healthy, attempting to get strong, and none of it was working. And it was so you do it for a while and you give up and then you'd gain a little more weight and then you do it for a while and you'd give up and you'd gain a little bit more weight. Finally, somebody gave me the keys that said, if you do it this way, it will work. And I started having success and then I got coaches and trainers and, and people to help me with my nutrition. And they kept changing those, those keys. And over time, it has led to dramatic success, uh, but it's finding the right keys. And the problem is there are so many books, there's so much information and so much of it is false. And then on top of that, everyone, everyone wants to buy the book. Lose 50 pounds tomorrow, not lose 50 pounds this year through a slow change. And, and that creates a problem. 
you know, everyone wants overnight success. There's no such thing. It's it takes time. And as you talked about before, it is a journey. Yep. Uh, people want the results. They don't want you have to find things that you like the challenge of for the sake of the challenge. Uh, if you just want the money, it's like, well, you're going to find out that it's like why lottery winners go broke. Right. It's yeah. You have all the money, but you misspent it. So it's not, it's the, the journey has to become the goal in and of itself. Your point about information. Um, there's more information now about health and money and business, more information, these, this podcast, there's more information at people's fingertips for free than ever before. But the same thing applies to information, right? You're going to get, got to go through a lot of bad info before you start to learn how to get the good info, the bookshelf behind you. There are highly, there are some of those books are highly uh, pu publicized, um, popular, trendy books. And then some of those are deep books that you went and found, you know, on your own that aren't maybe um, super popular for more nuanced information. So people have to get the, you have to get the bug a little bit. Hey, do you really want to, do you, do you just, do you really want to solve this money problem or are you just fussing about your money problem? Um, so if you really want to solve the money problem, it's like, go Google it for a little while. And then guess what? You're going to Google it forever. This is like a lifelong, you know, what you, I started learning personal finance and now I go on YouTube and I teach people about macroeconomic trends, you know, because it's, I spent the last few years reading about it and now I know. And, but it starts with, Hey, look, how do you balance? Well, how do you balance a, a, a balance sheet? You know, how do you balance your books? Start there. Then you can find out why, you know, the federal reserve is being so irresponsible. You know, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta take that first step before you can, before you can get there. Same thing with health. It's like, let me get some information. Let me try. Let me get a little more information. Let me try harder. Let me get some more information. Real estate. It's like you buy one, go get a house. Next thing you know, I had eight. Now I have 84. In a few years, I'll have a couple of thousand, you know? So you have to fall in love with the journey. You know, it's funny because I understood real estate. I knew how to do all the different parts of, of repairs and everything. I even had my realtor's license when I was in college. Mm -hmm. It took me 20 plus years to buy my first property, meaning not my personal house, but an actual investment property. Because I just, I, I didn't take that first step. Had I taken that first step 20 years before, I'd probably have a ton of property. But I didn't. Now, I still have a bunch of, of rentals, and I have took advantage of the 2013 uh, flipping season and, and doing that. And, but it, it took a little pushing to get me off that edge to take that first step to do it. And I tell people the first step is the hardest, and it's the one that most people struggle with. Once you take the first step, the rest become easy. Because as you start to move, you start to learn, you start to get comfortable, and you start to have success. And then the best thing to do is, is look at other people's screw-ups and learn from their screw-ups so that you don't have to make them yourself. Because we all make the same screw-ups. And so that's just the smart thing to do. Yeah, I make a ton of mistakes, make them all the time. Uh, I just try not to make them twice. But the first one is definitely the hardest, you know. Uh, the, and the thing about real estate is, is most people own a primary residence. So they've already done the scariest part, which is like the transaction, you know, it's like, Hey, look, in fact, to me, it seems, it seems it's kind of interesting. People are afraid to buy rental real estate, but they buy their own primary residence and that doesn't even make money. 
I'm like, that thing doesn't, that thing is a, 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 a money sink, right? It's an expense. You're not making any money. Yeah, I mean, you're living in it, but you're not making any money on it. This other one over here, you're going to buy that and then it's going to pay you profit. And you've already done the one transaction. I don't, it can't, how can it be scarier? Now, I, I joke, right? Because I understand that going off and getting that first one, it's not, it's not super simple. But, you know, as a, as a guy who came as a young, uh, when I was younger, I was scrawny and skittish and very insecure, uh, like so many people. And then I never thought I'd be able to get a bachelor's degree or a single house and um, never thought I'd be able to join the army. And like now I look back on those things. I'm like, geez, those are small tasks. What I got to get some big stuff done. And so I think moving towards those fears, right? Moving towards that discomfort goes from, hey, this is scary to like, hey, that wasn't so bad. What else could I do that I just think is scary? That's very possible. If not, like maybe your your people are capable of so much more than they than they think. People are capable of much more than they think. They just can't see it in themselves. And I, I think uh I was reading, I'm trying to think what book I was really, really reading, but basically what it came down to say is a great leader is the person who can see within somebody else what their gift is and help them to learn how to excel at their gifts and support them on that journey. That's truly where, where greatness comes. And for example, when you told the story earlier, it's like you see, hey, this guy's gift is finding deals. This guy's gift is managing properties. This guy's gift is, is X, Y, Z. Most people can't see their own gifts because they seem so easy and simple to them that it's a struggle. And it's, it's when you can figure out what your gifts are that life gets amazing. And it took me, uh, hell, it took me like 40 years to figure it out. Yeah. And, and it I goes back to 40 years ago. Like I had the gift then and I didn't use it like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that is, um, I think about that a lot actually when I'm, I'm afraid to do something cause I still, I'm afraid to do all sorts of things. And I look at it. I'm like, you know what? You knucklehead, you, you, you're the only one holding yourself up, you know, talking about myself. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, they have that, they have that problem. They have gifts and they just don't, or they don't know how to use them. A lot of times they just don't know how to use them or they don't have somebody in their corner, like telling them like, dude, like you're, you're the best at this. You should do it. Other people will respond. Other people will like you for it. Like it's valuable. You should lean on that. And to your point about, um, you know, when, when you have a gift, it seems easy to use. So it doesn't seem that valuable. That's an interesting point. My website and my brand, I tell people all the time, like real estate's so easy. Like everything I've ever done is easy because if it's hard, I couldn't do it. You know, <laughs> it's easy for you, but that's my point. Right. And so, uh, when I say like, Hey, look, this real estate thing is easy or easier than people think it's, it's, it is easy for me. Some people don't have the same gifts as, as me and that's okay, but they all have different gifts. And so you have to find whatever you're really good at, it's like, I kind of feel like it should be kind of easy, right? Because it should be a gift or it should lend itself to your gifts. Correct. So for me, spreadsheets, money and compounding is easy. And so it was really easy for me to build wealth because I knew how to do that. And, and it worked. And, but I didn't realize how much of a gift that was. And I didn't realize how much it was a struggle for everybody else 
to be able to understand those things? Yeah. Uh, some of that, I, I like spreadsheets. Um, I got a, I got my degree in finance and along the way I realized I know those things. I can look, I can do the spreadsheet, but I get lost in the details. I, I have a very low attention span. I even did underwriting and it's like by, by two, three hours into my work day, I was burnt out. And you know, that's good to know about myself. So now my partner on the, on the multifamily properties, he does all the underwriting and it's like, I can help. I can analyze it with you. I can do those things, but you're going to sit there and, and do that because that's what you like to do. Like you say, he doesn't think of it. He, him and I have these conversations every time we close a deal. I go, dude, I'm so thankful for you. You did all the hard work. You did all the, um, you know, you kept everything organized. You did all the paperwork. You did the vendor relations. You did the spreadsheets. You did all this stuff. I'm so thankful. I did nothing. I, I, I'm, you're a better partner than I deserve. And then he goes to me, he's like, Alex, I just sat at a computer and entered some numbers. It's not that big a deal. You found the deal. You talked to people, you raised all the money, you did the plan. Like that's the hard part. I could never do it. I feel like I didn't do anything and you did all the work. I'm grateful for you. And we both have that conversation. I'm like, dude, this is the perfect partnership because neither of us are working. Mm-hmm. Neither of us are really working. We're just, oh, this is my little hobby. I like it. No problem. He does all the hard stuff. Let's make some money. <laughs> And when it came to flipping, that was, I had a partner and it was the exact same thing, right? There were the parts, we were exact opposites, personality styles, exact opposites. But when we could come together and agree on something, it was easy and it wasn't work. I mean, it it was, it was simple to do and, and it was easy and it was fun. Even now what I do for, I call it work, but it's not work. Like I have fun all day. I enjoy yeah. what I do. It's not work because it's exciting. It's fun. Yeah. I think people have um, this weird thing where they go, all I want to do is quit my job and hang out at home. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to get sick of that before you, be- you're going to get sick of that before a month, before a month of you sitting home with you know enough money, you're going to be, I don't want to say miserable, but certainly you're going to start to feel purposeless real fast, which can eat at your, um, self-esteem, your ego. It can eat at you, your, your identity, just, you know, chilling your way through life. So go ahead. We're like machines. What happens when you put a machine and you stop using it? It just sits there and it rusts. Humans are the same. Yeah. You have to have something to do. You have to have something to do. And so people go like, Oh, well I'll travel. And I'm like, you can travel every day. You know, you're, you're, there's only so many places you can go. So my whole career, I, I've always had long vacation times. We would take two to three week vacations a couple times a year with the kids. We learned that about day 17, we had enough. Yeah. <laughs> and unless we were going international, we the only reason we would go longer international is because travel time. So three weeks for international two weeks for, you know, inside the country type of travel, because at the end of that time, travel became work and it wasn't fun work. It was like, why are we doing this? And why am I at this place? And why this? And why that? Um, But it was enjoyable. Like we'd go to Disney and we'd go for two weeks and we'd enjoy two weeks at Disney because we didn't rush through Disney. We we went in our slow place and we did it our way. But after two weeks, okay, I've had enough of Disney. I'm done with this. It's time for something different. Yeah. 
And then you come back home and you got to have a job. You got to have something, you got to have something to do. I say job, but I, I, you know, you got to have something to do. And so uh, that's different for everybody. And even if I don't even care if it's profitable, like if you, you know, I, it should be more productive, I think, than video games or something like that. But, um, you know, I, I picked up the camera a few years ago and now I do video productions and photography journeys and all these little things. And it's, it's not, it's not where I want it to be, but it's a growing little side hustle. And that's a way for me to fill my time, uh, among some others, but yeah, you everybody has to have some, something to do. So if you can start building those side hustles that you like, eventually they become your, you know, your work. Have you heard of the concept of Ikigai? Uh-uh. So Ikigai is a Japanese word. It basically means when you, you do what you love and that you're good at, that the world wants and is willing to pay for. You can find that mix. It's no longer work. It's fun. Life becomes fun and you become rich. It took me 40 years to figure that one out. It took me, well, more than 40 years to figure, you know, I figured that out in my fifties finally. And now that's what I do. And it, it's so I got a, fun. I got a quick story for that. Um, a few years ago, I picked up my uh, a camera. Uh, I love taking photos and I do it in a very, like I go to events and I'll take, I'll do, tell photo stories. I did one for PodMax last year. And so I'll go to big conferences and I'll take my camera. I'm not a paid photographer for these conferences. I just like going there, taking pictures of the event, telling a story. I do it for myself. And then, so, um, last year, uh, you know, before COVID in February, somebody offered me, they sat me down. They said, we want you to be the photographer for this big event. And before I could even think about it, I said, heck no, no way. Nope. Not interested. And they said, well, why not? And I said, well, cause I'm going to do it anyway. And I don't want your disgusting corporate hands in my art. <laughs> and I said, yeah, plus you probably can't afford me anyway. And so, um, and so we negotiated a little bit and they're like, no, you just do whatever you want to do. You're so much better than the person who we hired and you didn't, and we didn't hire you. So just do what you're going to do. We want the picture. So we'll pay you. Um, turns out they can afford me. And I thought it was, I, I thought it, well, yeah, of course they can. And I thought it was incredible. And I was like, dude, you're going to pay me this, uh, you know, for what I'm going to do for three days worth of work that I was going to do anyway. You're going to pay me this fairly obscene number, in my opinion. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to go, go, I'm going to go off. My plan in 2020 was to go do um, four or five of those conferences and basically make a full year's worth of living um, doing what I enjoyed anyways. Too bad COVID really put the damper on me, but that COVID will end one day. Conferences will come back. And that is my, and that is my plan. And it's exactly what you said. It's like, I love it. I'm going to, I do it for free, but if you're going to pay me a bunch of money, you can put my name on the check. I'm okay with that. As am I. <laughs> if people <laughs> would like to learn more about you and find your work, what is the best way for them to find you? I run a website called broke as a choice.com. It's a little bit uh, obnoxious, but that's kind of, it's kind of my style. But the point is uh, self-responsibility. So I write all my deals there in transparency. There's no sales funnels. It's just trying to, it's just a way for me to, you know, tell the world what I do as I go. Uh, I have a lot of book content on there as well. Uh, and then I'm trying to start this YouTube channel. So you can find me on YouTube, Alexander Felice. Cool. And we'll put that in the show notes for everyone to find. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alex. Rocky, you're the man. Thank you, dude. 
Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time.